This podcast was produced on Monday, February 18th at 11.51 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I think industry has been clear and our ministers have been clear that there is definitely some problems uh, with that bill. And uh, I am uh, optimistic that, uh, you know, the Senate will uh, see the wisdom of uh, the points we're trying to make. been a lot of news lately. The Prime Minister's Principal Secretary Gerald Butts announced his resignation without warning, dropping a political bombshell on Ottawa. The most powerful unelected official in Ottawa is out. If you're interested in the allegations involving Jody Wilson-Raybould, Gerald Butts, Justin Trudeau and SNC-Lavalin, you should listen to our last podcast, episode 40. The puck on that story is moving swiftly and we will continue to bring you the latest online at HuffPost.ca. But on this show, we're bringing you details about another controversy that's not getting as much coverage. That's the sound of the caravan, a convoy of 150 or so trucks that left Red Deer, Alberta last week to make its way to Ottawa to pressure the government to do more to build pipelines. To our Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and the federal Liberal government in Ottawa, if you're wondering again, how far we are going to go to stand up for Saskatchewan and Canada's resource sector? Just watch us, you're going to find out. Under the banner, United We Roll, the protesters are calling for immediate action. They're tired of waiting for court-sanctioned consultations, frustrated with falling oil prices, and fed up with seeing folks out of work. Not to mention the Liberal bills that they feel are targeting the oil and gas industry. This government is just, they're bottlenecking all our oil. They don't want it to go anywhere. And we need to get Bill C-69 and 48 abolished and the carbon tax abolished. And we need our Prime Minister to start listening to, to the rest of Canada. While the calls might be getting louder on the streets, inside Parliament, the debate is already raging. I assume that Bill C-69 fits into the government's overall strategy for reducing emissions. Uh, in line with their 2030 t- targets, which they are currently far from meeting. There's so many cogs in the wheel here with this legislation, and I'm a little bit worried that almost every project can be open to, to litigation. Bill C-69 is the Liberal government's effort to streamline impact assessments for natural resource projects. Politics Trump science. Some fear the legislation will kill investments. The timeline is... is, is is so long and there's so many factors involved that nothing nothing will go forward. Others believe it gives too many voices a say. Oil and gas money might drown out the voice of the people who might be opposed to projects. Still others think there aren't enough details. I feel like we're working in the dark. I'm Althea Raj and this is Follow Up, a HuffPost Canada politics podcast. On today's show, I sit down with three Western senators to talk about Bill C-69. Is it really legislation that will kill future oil sands development? And what does this whole debate mean for the senators themselves? Most of them are now independent and beholden to no one. That conversation is next. Who 
wants to sit down with the three of us? Let's be frank. We're 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 fine. We're we think we're fine. Yeah. I mean, I am concerned that there is no one here to defend the bill in a full-throated way. Well, so, CBC's been defending the bill for the last look, two years, we don't, so we're good. Don't worry about that. Yeah, okay. and so is the Huffington Post, so. <laughs> Thanks for that, Senator Kachuk. My name is Paula Simons. I'm a senator from Alberta, and I'm a member of the Independent Senate Group. I'm Doug Black. I'm a senator from Alberta, and I'm a member of the Independent Senators Group. I'm David Tkachuk, and I'm a senator from the province of Saskatchewan, and I'm a member of the Conservative Party of Canada. So we were supposed to have uh, Senator Mitchell with us, who is the uh, sponsor of the bill in the upper chamber, but um, he's unfortunately unable to join us. And there was nobody that the government's representative in the Senate's office could suggest to um, kind of put forward the wonderful things that they think is in the bill. So um, before we start talking Maybe about the bill... Maybe that tells us something. Yeah, we won't miss him. It's all right. <laughs> we'll miss him. Yeah. But it just shows it's very difficult to defend the bill. Right. Okay, so let me ask, maybe I'll ask Senator Simons to uh, start off by telling us what you think the government's intentions behind the bill are. So I'm not asking you to defend the bill, but right. what do you think the purpose of the bill was? Well, I mean, I think it's a fair question because I think, the, I think the bill purports to do some positive things. I just don't think that it's written in such a way as to accomplish its aims. Uh, so I'm probably less down on the bill than Senator Tkachuk, but I, mean, I think... The bill starts off with the premise that you need to have some kind of system to approve major public infrastructure. And the idea of the bill was to list up front the various criteria that a project proponent would have to meet. So if you, you have a laundry list of things, you check off all the boxes, you know in advance so that you're not going to be blindsided at the end of the process and find out, oh, whoops, you didn't consider this. Nobody thought of the orcas. Um, so the idea was to avoid the kind of surprise that we got with TMX to set up the criteria up front so that everybody would know exactly what they had to do to get approval. And the avowed intent was to streamline the time process so that there would be strict time limitations and we would get to an answer yes or no more quickly. And I take the government people we met with at their word, the senior uh, civil servants who drafted this legislation, I think that's what they believe it does. I think, unfortunately, it doesn't. Okay, I'm going to ask you, each of you, to tell me um, some of the challenges or problems or things that you believe this bill does, because I think you all agree that the government's bill does not actually fulfill, perhaps as well as it should, the government's intention. When you see that the minister responsible is the minister of the environment, that's all the evidence you need as to what the what the emphasis is. So what's happened in this legislation is there is no balance. There is no balance. In the preamble, they talk only in the preamble. Yep. They talk about economic considerations. And then for the next 394 pages, there's no economic factors. So the reality because they're talking about social impacts, environmental yeah, impacts, all even of which gender are important. impacts. Well, I mean, and in fairly, in in the list in the list of factors, economic gets sort of dropped in to one clause, mm -hmm. but it doesn't get its own standalone point. And there's no definition and, of what that and, means. And when and when you come later to the public interest test, there's no mention of of economic or social development at all. And it's, that is it's, that's it's, the it's really peculiar. And I'm you know, and I'm the squishy lefty on this panel. 
we'll work on you. But let me just I finish. I was gobsmacked when I got to that, well, when that I got to that, Section so 63. That, to your question, that is the fundamental problem. There is no there is no balance. And that's why the energy industry, the natural resource industry, are offering their point of view. But more importantly, they're voting with their wallets. They're not investing in Canada. Interests outside Canada are not investing in Canada because they're saying, like, whatever, we can't get projects built here. And this legislation will make it worse. Do you agree with that? Well, I agree with a little bit of everything. Uh, I think um, my view of the bill is, um, and, and I think it's expressed by many, is that there, the definitions are unclear. So people don't know what gender, you know, what, what they mean when they put the word gender in there. And then the second big issue is process. I look at it in a, in a more universal way. I see this bill. I see Bill C-68 and 48, Navigable Waters, and also the Tanker Bill. So uh, all three of these bills put together, to me, is the government's intention to destroy the energy industry. You Today, really genuinely believe that? I do. I do believe that. They couldn't have made a worse bill. They said they consulted. They said they went to visit with industry. They visited with provinces. They visited with Aber- Nobody's happy. So if nobody's happy, they listen to no one. And they went ahead and they developed their own priorities and they developed their own solution. And that's why you have this problem. I just want to really stress one thing. This is not an energy bill. This is not about the resource sector. This is, a, this, this is about mm-hmm. every kind of major infrastructure project, which includes things like a really big wind farm that might affect a migratory bird path. That's a good point. It includes offshore tidal turbine technology, but it also includes airports. It could include a high-speed train between Toronto and Montreal. But we need to understand that we're potentially creating roadblocks for all kinds of infrastructure. One thing I heard you ask yesterday um, was about the project list and why the government mm, has a mysterious project list. This I project call it the list. secret. You mean, okay, the, so de- you mean the designated list? Yeah, so the, yeah, yeah, the, the designated, designated project the list. The secret there's, designated list. There's a designated list. list and the non-designated list, and it's all decision, and then those are all political decisions. Okay, so explain right, so, to the listener why it's important to have this list and why perhaps sure. the government would not actually release Be- this list before all, you all, guys actually know what you're only talking about. Only certain projects are subject to this level of scrutiny. This is the list of criteria that lays out which projects are subject to increased scrutiny. And the problem is that nobody will tell us what the criteria are. So the project list isn't a list where they they enumerate the various projects. Uh, It's the list that explains... Categories. Yeah, categories. It's categories. And, you know... I was a journalist for 30 years up until up until this fall, whenever a government said to me, oh, don't worry, it will be in the regulations. It will all be fine. I never liked that answer when I was a journalist. I don't like it any better now that I'm a senator. I want to know what the bill encompasses. So that is the problem. There will be a lot less opposition if people understood whether they're going to be affected or not. But the key question is the question you've just asked. Why don't we have the secret designated project list? That is the question. Or the definition of the of what will be a designated project, which they claim that's, you know, there'll be a regulatory effort, which isn't 
Uh, and I don't know why it's not part of the bill. So there is confusion. So that is the question. Let me bring you back, though, to this point about the government not being forthcoming. Because the government is also not being very clear with you about things like actually telling you clearly that downstream emissions won't be counted. They don't have clarity. That is the problem. Within the bureaucracy, there is not clarity as to what the political masters wish. You know, That's what's happened if we're here. Go- if we're going to decide that downstream emissions are to be counted then I might almost come around to Senator Jukacic's point of view, because if you include downstream emissions, then we won't build any energy pipelines. Paula, we just won't. take but it I, to the bank. They will be included. You know, they, Sen- they, I asked Senator they, Mitchell about that, and he said, well, there's no, men- he said, there's no mention of downstream in the act. And he said, and there's, no, men- the there's no mention of unicorns either, down, because there downst- aren't any unicorns. But downstream emissions were part of the decision on, on, on Energy, Energy East. East. Yeah. Oh, that was uh, the reason. And that was the, re- the, that was the reason. And now all of a sudden no. we're told, by, and it was by the bureaucracy, told that, oh, gee, we don't think that'll, that'll be included. Meanwhile, as you I said, I was, out of, I, was out, I was out of the room because I'm listening to, I, I met with the Canadian Mining Association for uh, for 20 minutes and they're changing their tune. They're they walking want, back. They now want amendments. They are so walking So now back. there's no organization that doesn't want well. amendments left. <laughs> it seems like you can group the criticisms into concerns about timing, that uh, the this actually allows the minister to keep kind of punting the can down the road, that um, you have more opportunities for litigation because we're also starting a brand new process. There's a concern about who has a seat at the table because you don't have a standing test. Anybody could come and bog down the process, whether that means the proponents won't get a chance to say or Indigenous voices perhaps yep. get clouded. There are a number of different concerns that senators from all sides of this issue have raised. So. Uh, what is your role? And maybe um, we can chat a little bit more about that when we come back. Senators Simon Black and Tkachuk, and we're talking about the Senate's role now in reviewing this piece of contentious legislation. What are the changes that you would like to see that, you know, you will not vote for this bill if this is not changed? Maybe I'll start with you, Senator Tkachuk. Well, will you vote for this bill at I, all? I'd like, I'd, like to see a, I'd like to see a whole lot of changes. So I, I don't understand why they didn't amend the present bill. Uh, Correct. We have, we have regulatory agencies in this country that are respected worldwide. The Nuclear Safety Agency, the, the, the Energy Board, are, the offshore uh, boards are respected around the world for the work that they do. I don't know why they just didn't amend the other bill and industry will tell you that would have been the easy solution because they already worked with the process, they knew what the problems were, and they could have fixed it by amendment, and we'd we'd have certainty. What's you mean killing this they should have fixed industry? The 2012 is, legislation. Yeah, and because right now what we have is we don't have certainty. So nobody knows what the heck's going on, or what the future will bring. And when that happens, everybody closes their door, and in some cases they're moving away. That's not good. Okay, so I've heard conservative senators say that 
they don't want this to bill to pass at all, but you don't have the numbers to no, defeat we don't. this I mean, piece of legislation. We're, not, we're, we're realistic. We know, we know what's going on. They have a majority in the Senate. Uh, our view is to have enough discourse that the, the more people know about this bill, the more people understand what it's going to do to the country, I think we'll put political pressure on the government and maybe the government won't be in such a rush to pass it. I would like to see that bill as part of the liberal government's uh, election plan oh, so that <laughs> so that so that so that the people of Canada would decide and there's nothing wrong with that I think that would be a good thing but nonetheless the government has the power to do whatever they want they have the majority in the Senate and they have the majority in the House of Commons so well, they don't, don't have don't the majority blame me in the if Senate. there's a problem you, with that, this that bill. would mean that you're calling Senator Simon's a liberal well, I'm telling you, she's a Trudeau appointment, and my view is that she will not vote against this bill. She'll want amendments to this bill, so I also would like to help her with those amendments, and maybe she'll include a few of my own. He's so ge- What a gentleman. He's so courtly. I want to just point out, building on what Senator Chachuk said, that you remember about a year and a half or so ago, Minister Morneau in the Finance Department brought forward really quite draconian suggestions to amend Good small point. business taxes in Canada. And there was an uproar from coast to coast to coast, everywhere but Ottawa, who thought it was just a brilliant idea to tax small business. Well, it wasn't as... It was about individual corporations. I just to want to make sure that we're not talking well, about the private, small well, business. Well, they were called private companies. Yeah. Well, everybody's private got a private company. Which is the Canadian economy. Runs. That's the Canadian economy. So what we did in the Finance Committee of the Senate is we said, look, we've got to hear what Canadians have to say about this. So we packed up our little suitcases and we went on the road. And boy, oh boy, <laughs> did we hear what Canadians thought. And what happened? they backed up about 80% on their suggestions because they recognized that that dog didn't hunt, except maybe in Ottawa. My concern about travel is that we not turn this into a three-ring traveling circus. I don't want us to go and just round up the same people who would have come to Ottawa anyway. Mm -hmm. As I said to Senator Black last night when we were talking about this, it doesn't make any sense to me to go to Calgary and only talk to the same executives who would have been happy to fly to Ottawa. We need to take the hearings that we're going to do to the communities of people who would not normally get their voices heard. I consider myself an environmentalist. I consider myself somebody who's very deeply invested in the project of reconciliation. I think there is a way to save this bill that I could vote for it with self-respect. But I will tell you and Senator Jakacic right now that if we don't get those kinds of amendments passed, I won't vote for the bill. That's good to hear, Senator Zomins, because that is that is a responsible position. And I clearly have that view as well. Well, I think we're all, I think we all support the environment. We're, we're all environmentalists in, in one way or another. Are you an environmentalist? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. To, to, to live where I, we live, we have to, to be. Of course I am. I actually don't know anybody who isn't, who doesn't care about the environment. And, and of course, we want to see First Nations involved in the process. I, if you remember in banking, I had, I had First Nation businesses come to the banking committee. They'd never been there before. And, and, and we think, and we, we said it in our report, that to solve part of these problems is that Indigenous people should be partners. They shouldn't, they shouldn't be relegated totally. to, oh, gee, we should take their concerns. They should be partners in the process. They should be partners in, in the pipeline process. We travel to their land. Why wouldn't they be partners? So we're, we're all on the same page here, but some people think that they're on the side of God, and some, most of us think that we're mere mortals. 
The upper chamber is often referred to as the House of the Provinces. You represent Saskatchewan, mm. Alberta, and Alberta. Governments yes. that uh, are opposed to this bill, Manitoba, Quebec, has also raised concerns. What role do you see yourself playing as a member who is there to represent your region? Well, it's a twofold one. I mean, the Alberta government, the government of Rachel Notley, has very specific concerns that the bill trespasses onto areas of provincial uh, authority. So they have constitutional issues that I think, frankly, could be fairly easily resolved with the right amendments. Um, but I'm also here to speak for the people of Alberta, for all the people of Alberta, not just the oil industry, but for the people of Alberta who are Indigenous, for the people of Alberta who care about the environment. And it's my job not just to channel their frustrations, but to, to A, get a better bill for them, and B, to try to explain to Albertans. I mean, Albertans, especially in, in resource-dependent economy regions of the province, there's such despair, there's such fear, there's such frustration that it's boiling over in ways that are extremely uh, dangerous uh, whether that's in racist outbursts, whether that's in um, uh, less less nervous making for me, are the separatists who are you know have, have reignited uh, the the call for Alberta to separate. I think it's really incumbent on me as a senator not just to explain Alberta to the Senate, but to try to try try so hard to explain the Senate yeah. to Alberta. And building on that, I would say that. Again, speaking as an Albertan senator, there is no province in Canada through history has been more generous to Canada than Alberta. There is no province in Canada that's more welcoming to other Canadians. The stats show that there are more Alberta, more people move to Alberta than any other province. We are exactly what this prime minister wants, which is a mecca for the middle class. So my job is I want to continue that. I want Alberta to continue to be a powerful member of this federation, not just a an ATM machine. Well, I, th I think I'm, and I'm the same. And we had we had for decades had we had an out migration. All our young people left the province. We finally have we in. finally have, and, and basically in Calgary, as you can tell by at the football games, right? So, but but nonetheless, we've. We've we reversed that. We've changed that around because of of government policy, and welcoming attitude to the oil industry. Uh, our our oil and gas industry has been has been, and our potash companies have been extremely successful in the world. And we now have an in migration of people. We have young people coming from not only from parts of Canada but from all over the world coming to work at our place. And so uh, to see that threatened um, is devastating to me. Uh, devastating. We often hear uh, the Senate say how important a piece of legislation is. It doesn't actually, I shouldn't say often, but we heard that with medically assisted dying, for example. At the end of the day with medically assisted dying, even though some senators raised concerns that they firmly believe that the bill was not constitutionally sound, the upper house still bended to the will of the elected chamber. What, I mean, what assurances do you have that this is really the thing where the upper chamber will stand its flag firmly in the ground and say, we are passing these amendments or you are not getting your bill? We had a gun to our head with assisted dying. And the gun to our because head the was the court. That if we didn't pass it by a certain date, there'd be no law. And that's what happened. Here, we don't have that problem. And, and we can go about our constitutional duty of representing our provinces and our interests. And that's, that's what I think 
hope, I'm hoping most senators will do. You know, and you raise a very, if I just can ever so quickly, Senator Simons, you raise a very, very good point, which is we can come up, as I've said many times, with the most beautiful set of amendments in the whole wide world. But if the center, if the prime minister and his office are not prepared to support those in the House of Commons, it's all for naught. That's, that's right. Therefore, before pr- we need some assurance from the government of Canada, from the prime minister, that if we come forth with a package of amendments and a little more specificity than that, that he will support them. Other than that, why are we wasting our time? Yeah, there's no point, you're right, in us coming up with a whole phalanx of amendments that are going to get shot down. Correct. But I guess what my question is to you is, if they say no, do you roll over or do you stand firm? It's a, I know it's what a fa- I do. Well, yeah, I mean, I there's, a, dif- I there's <laughs> a difference between what we do as individuals and what we do as a collective. I mean, we can individually stomp our little feet uh, knowing that there would be enough votes in the Senate to get it passed. Uh, I think what's more valuable is for us to speak to other senators to make them understand why this is such an important issue. At the end of the day, we defer to the elected House. The test to defeat a government bill is pretty high. And frankly, when I've been meeting with industry groups, they don't really want this to be dragged into the election campaign. They would like to get some clarity sooner than later so that they can know what the rules are. So, I mean, just dragging it out for the sake of dragging it out, I don't think answers anybody's uh, interests. Well, it might answer, it might answer I, Senator Tkachuk's desire I don't, to I don't make believe mischief. That but industry, I don't believe that industry wants the present bill. No, they don't want the present so, bill, but what so they want- So if there are no amendments, that puts no. us in a kind of a bad situation. Well, if the government doesn't accept any of our amendments, then I'm not going to vote for the bill. That's 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 that. Substantial but, amendments, but, I would think. Know, yeah, but the question is, I, I would rather- put my energies now into making sure that they do. And that's what we all need to do. Well, that's what we all want to do. That's what we're all doing now is to try and make this better. But you ask the essential question, what if we can't? And that's for another conversation, isn't it? All right. Well, on that note, thank you both, all of you, Senator (laughs) Simon, Senator Black, Senator DeCatcher. Thanks very much. Thanks for for including uh, us. Thanks for including us. having this discussion with me. Thank you. Great. Thank you. David DeCatcher is a longtime conservative senator from Saskatchewan. Senator Douglas Black is a member of the Independent Senators Group and represents Alberta. Paula Simons is a new senator from Alberta. She is also a member of the Independent Senators Group. You saw today um, the large number of staff and senators who were, who were in that room. I, I have yet to see a room that packed. Uh, Tony Dean, senator representing Ontario. This, I think, is the most significant piece of legislation in front of us. It is controversial, and it's controversial for, for understandable uh, reasons. There are distinct regional interests, there are indigenous concerns and interests, and, and it brings to the fore again this, this great dilemma that we have in Canada uh, about how we reconcile sensibly Uh, environmental protection and economic growth. It it comes down to that. I'm Senator Tolkadignan from Quebec. Actually, we have a lot of preoccupation about this legislation. It's on, and it's everywhere, and it's exactly what we have seen in a way with the with the witnesses. We have uh, concerned by the industries. We are concerned by the Aboriginal group. We have concerned by the environment group. Um, so that's uh, that's a big piece of legislation, and uh, I think it will be. Uh, 
a very difficult study because we will have a lot of amendments and we have to make sure that those amendments uh, will, uh, will, will be uh, in, the, in, in a logical way, a rational uh, process. Do you foresee this bill passing the Senate before MPs go off in the election trail? Yes, but with amendments. Michael McDonald, Senator from Nova Scotia and Deputy Chair of Energy. My main concern with the bill, well, there are many concerns with the bill. We'll start with the ones that became obvious this morning. The ability of foreign interests, foreign funded interest groups, foreign uh, people working against development in Canada, uh, having a seat at the table when it comes to challenging uh, and triggering review process. They can trigger, they basically can trigger reviews indefinitely. We'll never get a project off the ground. Uh, and it'll chase investment away, obviously. Eventually people will give up. So it's a big problem. Howard Weston, Senator from Toronto. I have not formulated my views entirely with respect to the legislation. I have studied it. Uh, I have heard a lot from industry, talked a lot to industry people and others, environmental groups as well. I've looked at recent decisions associated with particularly on natural resource development and pipelines. I've studied carefully the Federal Court of Appeal decision on TMX. I've looked at the National Energy Board decision on TMX. I've compared, in my own mind, CO212 with the current bill. And I've asked myself the following question. It's clear to me that there's a uh, climate-changed world that we live in today. And that climate change is obviously driving and initiating a lot of policies. We have a pan-Canadian framework associated with climate change in Canada. But we're still not entirely in, in a place in which we have a national energy framework. Um, do you develop or do you not develop? This bill attempts to strike a balance between the environmental, indigenous reconciliation and natural resource development, among other things, because it also includes nuclear, it includes dams, it includes hydroelectric, it includes transmission development, but there's a lot of focus on pipelines for obvious reasons. Environment Minister Catherine McKenna wasn't available for an interview. Last month, she defended Bill 69 to reporters as a good bill. Uh, we've been working on Bill C-69 since January 2016. Uh, we've had consultations, we've had expert panels, we've had uh, committee hearings. Um, and this is a, a really good bill. It made it through the House of Commons. There were some amendments. It's in the Senate. There's lots of good discussion. But let's be clear, we need to rebuild trust in our, how we review major projects. And this is really an opportunity to get it right. We've also listened to business who have said, look, we want to make sure that we can review projects in a timely fashion. We want more clarity about Indigenous consultation. Uh, we want to get aligning with provinces, so it's one project, one review, and we've done that. This is a good bill. Um, certainly having good discussions with all sorts of stakeholders, but now it's in the Senate, and I think it's really important we, that we move forward because we need to provide certainty to industry. But at the end of the day, uh, government in question needs to make a decision, of course, providing reasons for the decision. And now we've made it much more robust, making sure that we take into account science, we take into account evidence, um, and we look at the broader factors, whether it's the impacts on the environment, the, um, the broader uh, economic benefits and impacts, and, and that's uh, what we should be doing. But we need to figure out a system that will be robust, has the trust of Canadians, and ensures that good projects go ahead in a timely fashion. That's what this does.
Well, that's our show. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcast, please leave us a review there. Positive one, of course. You can reach me through Facebook or Twitter at Althea Raj. A-L-T-H-I-A-R-A-J is my handle. Follow-up is produced by myself with our priceless technical producer, Stephanie Warner, and my dear colleague in the Ottawa Bureau, reporter Zian Lum. Andre Lau is the program's executive producer. I'm Althea Raj. Thank you very much for listening.